1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Janice Dean Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to my next guest because she's one of my good friends here at Fox and I think she's the bee's knees. She has her own podcast on Fox News Audio called Kennedy Saves the World. And she recently had me on to talk about my new book, I Am the Storm on her podcast. So of course, I asked if we could keep talking after her show ended and mine began. I love when that happens. Kennedy has been with us here at Fox News and Fox Business Network since 2012, and she hosts the primetime show Kennedy on Fox Business. You can also catch her all the time on Outnumbered here on Fox News. Before she got to Fox, she had a pretty awesome journey as a talk show host, a DJ, and a correspondent for MTV. She's an author, a mom, and one of the most fabulous people I know. So let's get to it. I know you're going to love our conversation with the one and only Kennedy. Kennedy, you made the Dean's List. How? (laughs) I bestow upon you the Dean's List.
0: I will accept it. Thank you for the bestowal. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you were
1: a smart child, though, were you not? You strike me as someone who was probably very good at school.
0: That's really funny you say that because... I was really, really good at everything but school. Stop. So my senior year, and I tell my girls this all the time. I'm okay. like, I was interning for my state representative. I was a lead in the school play. I was in student government. I was in youth legislature. I was a president of the Teen Center and the Croquet Society. <laughs> uh, I had gone to Girls State and Girls Nation the summer before. And I didn't graduate from high school because oh. I found actual school to be very boring And I found classes to be taught by people I didn't have a great deal of respect for. If I liked the teacher, I got A's. Mm -hmm. Like Hutch, my ceramics and calligraphy teacher, I couldn't get enough of his class. Wow. Those are some of the greatest things I learned in high school. Yeah. I learned how to center things on an envelope. I learned all sorts of different uh, fonts and alphabets in calligraphy. I learned how to make my own earrings with feathers and ceramics. And he encouraged that. And Mr. Wentz, I took junior history and junior English from Mr. Wentz. And I I loved it. I loved the crossover between U.S. history and, you know, the incredible literature of the 18th and 19th centuries. So. Mm-hmm.
1: so what did your parents do with that? Like, they, they knew you were—you loved certain subjects, but you were like, I'm done with high school.
0: They were frustrated because— They knew that I had the skills, Mm -hmm. and they thought it was an application problem. They knew it wasn't a laziness problem. Right. Because in some aspects of life, I was shot out of a cannon. In other aspects, I was very, very bored. Mm -hmm. And I thought algebra was dumb. Yeah. And it wasn't until—I didn't go to college until I was 28, and obviously because I'd failed math in high school, I had to take uh, three years of math in college, three semesters, and— it was it made sense for the first time so wow. my brain my math side organized late and then i really loved it and then when i actually started college i i couldn't get enough of it i loved it and it's very interesting because people who have worked and been in a competitive environment when you apply that to college yep. it's really really fun wow so how do you approach it with your girls
1: you've got you, one of your girls going to college right
0: yeah she's a senior in high school and she loves school. She loves parts of school. Okay. Yeah. And, and I respect that. And I tell her, you don't want to be without a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to do the busy work to make other people happy. And sometimes their happiness is incredibly arbitrary and stupid. But if I had done more of the arbitrary, stupid stuff... I would have been on a different path, but I would have missed out on a career in broadcasting. Look at what
1: you're doing now. I feel you because I took three months of journalism school in university and I, had, I think I had a bit of a scholarship and my parents were really proud. And then I was like, but wait a minute, I can't get on equipment or write stories or go out in the field until fourth year and I've got to sit here in a psychology class.
0: I'm done. But it's, I don't blame you. Right. And And I think it's doing a disservice to you and you're just, you're a cog in the machine. But I don't want to, you know, I want my kids to do well in school, but I get it. I get the kids that are like, but I want to go to the school of hard knocks now. Yeah. But we don't encourage people's passions because we see them as commodities. We see them as children. We don't see them as learners and thinkers. Mm. And I always try and approach my girls in that way. Like they have very different interests from each other. But I want them to find their passions. Yeah. And I'm not going to get mad at my senior because she doesn't like one of her science classes. Right. Or she doesn't have a great deal of respect for a teacher who doesn't understand the subject that she's teaching mm-hmm. and gets a lot of things wrong. Yeah. So I don't, I don't get on her about that. And I, I just try to explain to her. Sometimes you got to go through the motions in order to, uh, to meet the end. What do you think
1: you would be doing had you not got into broadcasting?
0: I uh, initially moved away from Oregon and moved to California to get into politics. Wow. Because I really thought I'd make a great political consultant. I still think you would. When I worked with my state representative, I thought he had a really hard job because he had to be kind of great all the time and always on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I liked the moody people who worked with him, who came up with the ideas and the messages. And I always thought that was really great. So when I moved to Southern California, I figured that that is what... I would be doing. Um, but, you know, it's like sometimes your life diverges and you just have to you have to go with it and you have to give into it. And it's funny because it causes you a great deal of anxiety, especially in your 20s. Yeah. And like this sense that I'm not where I want to be. What if I lose where I'm at right now? Mm-hmm. I'll never recover. My life will cease to exist. And and those Like those are the foundations of existential crises and those are very, very real. Yeah. And it's not until you get on the other side of that a few times that by the time you get to your 40s, you're like, oh, this is awesome. (laughs) I know. I feel like my 50s are like the F at 50s. Yeah. Right. Great. Absolutely.
1: Right. It's really, it's really freeing. Yes. Because it's kind of like, don't mess with me. Yeah. Um, Do you like covering politics in television.
0: I love it. You do. I think it's great. Yeah, because for me, because it is so dynamic, it is always changing. There is so much hypocrisy and yes. so much stupidity. But isn't that Frustrating, It is, it, but I try and make fun of it. I try and make fun of all of it and have a good time with other people. And I make fun of them and they make fun of me and we make fun of politicians. And so on Friday, I was at Newark Airport. Eric Swalwell was coming up the escalator. I was going down the escalator and I flipped him off. You did? I did. Absolutely. And it was like, I was overcome by this desire to flip him off. And because I'm in my 50s, I was like, you know what? When do we get these opportunities? So I flipped him off. And? He didn't see it, but his minder was like, that woman just flipped you off. And he turned around in disgust and looked at me. And I just gave him a big head nod and smile. I'm like, you damn right I did. That yeah. is fantastic. And then he was, he was on my plane from Newark to LAX. <laughs> He was sitting in Polaris business class, which is like the highest first class. I don't even know what that is. United is so probably three thousand bucks a ticket. And he was there with two other people. So if that's taxpayer money, shame on him. No kidding. Where do these guys make their money? I don't know. I think they're all uh, on the take. (laughs) When when I was thinking about getting into politics when I was in high school, my dad always said, don't go into politics. There's no money in it unless you're on the take. Yeah. And I was like, God, that's a good point. Like, I don't want to be an immoral person. I don't want to be one of those corrupt, horrible people like Andrew Cuomo, who totally (laughs) compromises myself. Right. I want to be a good person. I want to be full of stoke. Are there any of those people right now in politics? There are. There are few and far between. But I feel people like Thomas Massey, Mm -hmm. who is a congressman from the great Commonwealth of Kentucky. He lives on a ranch that is totally self-sustained. And there was a wonderful short film made about him and his home in, in Kentucky where he has the, the power wall for his house that powers his house. He went to a junkyard and found a crashed Tesla and took the battery out. And that old Tesla battery powers his house. And he's got all sorts of irrigation systems. So when it rains, the water comes down. It feeds the animals. It fills up the oh pond. Oh, my goodness. It, it's a lot of work. It is not for the faint of heart. He went to MIT. Um, he's got a master's in, like, biochemical engineering or something. And so he understands this stuff very well. He's also a Republican who loves to give the liberal greenies in Congress a hard time because they don't live like that. Yeah, they have gas stoves in in d c. Oh. And they're full of hot farts. Can you believe Sorry that? Sorry about my language, It's Janice. okay.
1: Listen, I let the hot farts fly. That's right. Um, can you believe that that's what people are talking about is the stoves, the gas
0: stoves? Yeah. Whenever I see something like that, I go, thank God, because that means that all of our real problems have been solved. You know, it's like we don't have to worry about crime. We don't have to worry about homelessness because now we're focused on something so arbitrary and stupid that everything must be better. Oh, it's not? Then shut your pie holes and go back to work. (laughs) How do you turn it off when you go home? That's very interesting. Um, I, I, a couple things. Mm -hmm. One, I exercise a lot. Yep. Uh, I do that in the morning. So usually after my show, I'm pretty tired. Okay. Um, when I need to calm down,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I bake. And I love baking. Wow. Um, I, I have celiac, so I do a lot of gluten-free baking. Okay. But I find that its if you ask my daughters, it's not meditative. Because they know when a dessert is going to be good <laughs> by how many F-bombs I drop. <laughs> so if I'm swearing at the food, it it's means a good it's going to be good. Delicious. Because I'm mad at it because I need it to cooperate. And I will make it cooperate. <laughs> and then it, eventually, usually, it does. We have a, a pretty high average of things cooperating after a series of abusive F-bombs. But, you know, it's like... I hear a cookbook somewhere in that. I don't know, man. I don't the know. The F-bomb cookbook. <laughs> I love it. Um, and I watch a lot of sports. And we'll be
1: back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush care. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/ loss. That's plushcare.com/ weight loss. So when
1: did you find out that you had celiac disease? That must have been a hard diagnosis.
0: 2010, and the thing that was so frustrating is I had been to gastroenterologists Mm -hmm. since I was 18, and I suffered through a lot of gastro issues as a kid, and no one, none of the pediatricians ever, I I didn't hear the word celiac until my oldest daughter was in preschool, and then one of the moms like, I made muffins, they're gluten-free, my sister has celiac, and I'm like, I don't know what that means, Right, and she's like, oh, it's the body's inability to process gluten, so... I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I sort of put that in my little cap. And then I heard more and more people talking about celiac disease. And then I was having a conversation with someone at a wedding who talked about their diagnosis because they got so nauseous when they drank beer. (gasps) I got nauseous when I drank beer. And I loved drinking beer. I thought (laughs) beer was great. What a friend. And so I went for my yearly physical. I asked the doctor to test me. It came back. The blood work came back positive. Doctors oftentimes misread the blood test. Wow. And they think, oh, you've got some marker here, but none over there. So you're probably, that's not how it works. Mm. If you've got anything on a blood test that says you might have celiac antibodies, go get a biopsy, have them biopsy through endoscopy, that's through your mouth, not your bottom. Your small intestine, the top part of your small intestine, and they will tell you if you have celiac. That's how they confirm the diagnosis. And so for so many years, you had digestive problems
1: and you didn't know why.
0: No idea. And they're like, what they do, like IBS, chronic gastritis, Uh, you have an ulcer, but without doing endoscopy. It's like, we'll give you the antibiotic for ulcers and see if, you know, maybe you have H. pylori. Um, And finally when i was diagnosed with celiac i got better for a little while and then it got worse and then it got kind of better and then it got worse and then the doctors were like we don't know why it's getting worse we don't know and i realized like sometimes i had one doctor say to me why do you think your colitis went from uh lymphocytic to collagenous they asked you the question and i was like that's a great question for a gastroenterologist (laughs) Of which you are, and I am not. But you know what? You have to be your own health advocate. Amen. Right? And for your kids, too. Yeah, you got to do... I mean, you know, you have to do the research. What are the clinical trials? How are people responding? What are the side effects? What are the risks? And you have to do a constant risk-benefit analysis for yourself. Because sometimes... And, you know, my mom gets really frustrated by this. And, you know, we talked about this not long ago on a different podcast... Sometimes, like for kids, yeah. it is like they will bring out an army of experts to figure out what's wrong. You get to be 70, 80 years, years old and the urgency wanes. And yeah. it's it's very unfair and it's very cruel because if someone is walking, talking, breathing, moving, living, they deserve the same kind of care. Correct. Yeah. And how are you feeling now? I feel pretty good. I actually, I, um, my celiac and... Uh, Cellular issues are considered to be in remission,
1: oh, which is
0: great. And yes. it took a uh, prednisone for a few months. I'm sure you've been on prednisone. Yes. And um, I also had a bug called Yersinia, which causes the plague. Oh, and my-, my doctor said we see a case of this every seven to eight years, one case. <sighs> and he said this is so rare. And it was that bug was wreaking havoc on my guts. And uh, I took some heavy duty horse pill antibiotics for that, In between that and the the prednisone and the typical gluten free diet that i'm on. it kind of resolved things, so right now pretty good you're good. Do you ever get angry though, and just be like, "Why me? God?" No, because I know people who have it so much worse yeah and it's like especially when you start getting into the inflammatory bowel disease world. You talk to people who, I mean, they're debilitated and, you know, oftentimes they have bowel resections and, or they have full ileostomies and they live without parts of their guts that make life very difficult. And it really always can be so much worse. And you just have to do everything within your power. Yes. And. Sometimes it's not enough and you just got to go, Okay, this is this is what I'm dealing with today. That's what you got to do. And you got to find the right
1: doctor as well. Yes. Right. Somebody that's going to instead of looking at their watch going, oh, I don't have a lot of time for this person. You know, somebody that's that's the worst. Yeah, it is. But unfortunately, that's the world that we live in.
0: And I am one of those people where if I get nervous that that. The clock is ticking. Yes. And the grains of sand are going through the hourglass too quickly. I'll start talking really fast. And I'm like, but then there's one time, what about surfing? And can I do that? And what if I made my own uh, buttery cinnamon rolls? Can I do that without dairy? Do you think that cashew milk is harmful to the villi and my small intestine? Um, well, what if I meditate and think of pretty colors? Will that, will that help my small bowel and will that heal me eventually? Thank you, sir. Amen. That is awesome. And then they look at me like, please stop talking. <laughs>
1: Please stop talking. I think I have another patient in the other room. (laughs) Tell me about surfing.
0: Oh, surfing's great. Yeah. Yes. When did you start learning how to surf? I learned how to surf for the first time when I was 18. Okay. Um, Actually, I wasn't quite 18. I was 17. I just quote-unquote, graduated from high school. I walked during commencement. We thought I might graduate up until the very end. Right. And I failed a couple classes at the end, and my parents were like, ugh. <sighs> but they had already paid for the trip to Hawaii with okay. my friends, so it was really cheap. Like, we found a cheap cockroach-ridden motel <laughs> in Waikiki and, you know, cheap flights. So a bunch of us, you know, former seniors flew out, and we were hanging out on Waikiki Beach, and this guy's like, you want to surf? I'm like, yeah. And so... He pushed me into a wave and I stood up and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I really. And Kelly Slater has my favorite quote from the moment you catch your first wave. You are a surfer. And it's very true. Like once that clicks, Mm -hmm. you're like, it's one of those things where when I was a kid, I thought if I could do a back handspring. I can accomplish anything in the world. Yeah. And same thing, like if I can paddle into a wave and stand up and ride that wave, I can do anything. And you can wait all day
1: long for that perfect wave and it's it's worth it.
0: Yes. When you get that ride, and you may only get one, and you could be out there four hours and, you know, then you see a set come in and sometimes first set wave, it's not a good one, but that second one, you're like, oh, baby, that is shaping up perfectly yeah i see those peaks that is turning into a right and you paddle and you look over your shoulder and when the board finally catches and you're like holy hot dogs and then you stand up and you're like i'm on it
1: it really is the greatest feeling in the and world. i don't know that feeling because i'm not a surfer but my husband is yeah your husband's a great surfer and he i mean that is his dream is that perfect wave yeah and getting that perfect wave and once
0: he gets out one he'll talk about it for a week yeah and and that's so i'm sure he's the same way like my instagram reels are filled with surf accounts and and people and i'm like where is that wave it's like a zen yeah Mm -hmm. and there's this one pretty famous reel that's going around of a guy who gets dropped in on and so he and the guy who drops in on him are riding the same wave the guy who gets dropped in on grabs the other guy's board. What does that mean, a, drop in on? You're not supposed to drop in on someone. So if someone is on the outside, okay. it's their wave. So oh. if you drop in, <gasps> you're, you know, it's like, so if a wave is going right, the person on the left, yeah. they have priority. The oh. person to the right of them on a right, they cannot go on that wave. They're not <gasps> supposed to. <gasps> wow. That is When well, do you learn that? You should learn that pretty early. Okay. But a lot of, you know, people who aren't good at surfing. Yes. Called kooks. Oh. They, uh, they'll drop in on anybody. They don't care because they're not paying attention. But it really is like court awareness, like see awareness. You have to be aware of other people. Okay. So the guy who got dropped in on grabbed the guy's board. That mm-hmm. guy's just off into the wilderness somewhere. <laughs> and then he... Puts the other guy's board down and rides the board for what had to have been like a 45 second wave, which is oh. an eternity. And it was the greatest yeah. thing. Oh. And it's like, I don't know if you could have planned this. I don't know if it was his friend, but it was I, I cheer every time I see that's it. that's pretty awesome. Now, do
1: you miss being a DJ? Because I know that we have kind of similar paths. Uh right out of college. I was at a classic rock station, and I have such fond memories of that, especially the overnights for some reason. Yes. Like, you're the only one in the studio. Yes. Only one in the building. Right? Yes. And you can kind of play what you want. And back then, I was playing records, too, so you were like, oh, this will go really good with this one. (gasps) And then when you have that great mix, uh, there is something really magical. I'm really glad that I got to do that at an In an early part of my career.
0: One of the best crossfades I ever heard was Jed the Fish. It was one of those rainy, rare Southern California days where when it rains, it's like a desert rain. Yeah. And it's a deluge, right? Right. And so traffic was at a standstill, flash flooding in places. So Jed played... Uh, the The's Kingdom of Rain. Yes. And there's, you know, this lovely rain sound. And then he he faded it into the doors. Riders, Riders on the Storm. <gasps> and it was so seamless oh. and beautiful. And it's like, I still have chills thinking about it. I just it. got chills. And being able to maximize those moments and <sighs> and bring it to every single person who's experiencing that simultaneously in one place where it's geographically and musically important. It was beautiful. <sighs> That, I mean, that is an important
1: moment in life when you get that perfect mix.
0: Yeah. And, and you realize, like, you can do that in just about anything. Yeah. And, and so if you're up for it, like, wait for those moments. Like, mm-hmm. live as though one of those moments is about to happen at any time and then pounce on it. Ugh. so how slip you- off Eric Swalwell <laughs> when you see him on the escalator. Don't let that moment go by. <laughs> Would you go into politics? No. No. Absolutely not. No upside, my girls would be mortified. I feel like there are plenty of other people who can sell that message for their own gain. I'd rather make fun of the messengers. But don't you get... I I get upset because I got... I
1: mean, I saw politics pretty close up the last three years. And I get really frustrated because you do have these dynasty politicians or these politicians that have been there for years and years and years.
0: And you don't have that scrappy young guy or gal that wants to do it for the right reasons. That's why I I think term limits are getting to be a much sexier concept. Mm. You think it's going to happen? I hope it does because there are more people... um, My friend Derek Van Orden, he was just elected to Congress in Wisconsin, and he uh, put forth a bill to limit congressional terms. And it's like he just got the job and he already wants to end it, but... That's the right thing to do. That's what you should be doing. I think the slogan should be term limits are sexy. Yes, that's right. And we'll get the (laughs) t-shirts. Yes, we will.
1: So I know we got to go, but to be continued, because I have all sorts of plans for you and me and the next podcast, we're going to have manicures and pedicures with
0: fish. Fish. They're going to eat our calluses. Okay, that's good. I am the food. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, that's right. I love it. And then we'll talk about your
1: cookbook, F-bomb cookbook. (laughs) Because Ah, it's going to happen. That's great. So it'll be gluten-free desserts and champagne cocktails. Oh, Kennedy, I love you so much. Thank you for coming on the Janice Dean Podcast, and you made the Dean's List. Thank you, Janice. Thank you so much to my amazing friend, Kennedy. Don't you want to be your best friend forever? I know I do. She's one of the most incredibly talented and kind people in the building at Fox, and I can't wait for our podcast Spa Day soon. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janisteen on Twitter or FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.